Hey everybody, uh, welcome back to the uh, the Ninja 25 YouTube channel. My my name is Brandon, and I'm here with uh, film scholar uh, Katie Burrell. She's got a, a pretty awesome blog at katherineburrell.com. Uh, and today we're talking about uh, Disney's Cruella, just dropped on uh, Disney Plus with Premier Access and in theaters. Um, I watched it on Disney Plus. Did you you went to the theater, didn't you, Katie? I did. Yes. Um, I went but, to a 7.25 Saturday night showing. Was it busy? Was, yeah. It was a little odd. Um, you know, I was telling you off screen that right, I was, right, right. I, it was very weird to be back in the movie theater. And I had some weird experiences that I just wasn't ready for. <laughs> one of them being that the people that came to sit behind me, one of them like whacked me with her bag, <laughs> like her keys That's and awkward. everything. She was like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, Hmm. and then like i don't know 20 30 minutes later they up and left like totally and i was like what is going on I other like than that it was full they didn't want to be there in general it seems um yes yeah so i my wife and i watched on disney plus last weekend um mm -hmm. what did you start start with kind of uh general thoughts what did you think of the movie so i went in totally blind which was i think really good for me because I uh, I had a little bit of preconditioning just from a podcast that I watched it where they had said they had to endure watching it. And I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, it's Emma Stone. Like, she's really good. And Emma Thompson's really good. So, I mean, they were the only two that I knew were in it. So I, I didn't go in with a whole lot. And I, you know, wasn't thinking totally about that one comment I had heard. And so I was really pleasantly surprised. Is it a Disney live action reimagining movie? Yeah. Um, but I went and this, saw it. It is not the Cruella in the animated movie. No. That's, and that's and sure, in yeah. fact, I actually don't know that film very well because it scared me when I was a child. I haven't seen it in so, years. And that was, yeah. I, I had intended to watch it sometime this week as a refresh after, it would have been after watching Cruella and I, it's, it didn't happen. It was a busy week. But. Right. But here's the thing. I went and saw this movie and I actually wanted to see this movie. I was going to see it whether we were going to talk about it or not. Right. And I did not go see The Lion King live action. So I think that's saying enough already. <laughs> that, yeah. The, these were, they range from good to terrible to literally the same movie again. Um, and the the Lion King is exactly the same movie that you saw the first time. It's um, I don't know if you've seen it <laughs> I since. I mean, I literally have never seen it. Yeah, ever. So it's you've you yeah, except except King. you have because you've seen the animated one. Um, right. <laughs> the, so I I went and saw Cruella, which I think is already a good indication, and I was pleasantly surprised. Was I completely enamored? No, there were some things about it that I was like. Yeah, it doesn't really work for me. And I was also quite unfairly emotionally manipulated <laughs> in this film. Um, the dogs? I mean, I mean to get really sad and dramatic, but I had to put my dog down a few months ago. Oh, so, we, we, we lost one uh, about two years ago now. It's a terrible. I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, it it is literally the worst thing. And this dog was my ESA and he was my everything. And uh, mm. Anyway, so the dog, her dog, I think his name is Buddy, looks um, 
enough like my own dog that I immediately kind of started crying and I was like, am I going to make it through this movie? And I did. And then later there's a scene about um, the house burning down and And the dogs are in there. That has its own triggers for me. So I was like, like, you know, like I was, I was invested in this in a way that I didn't expect to be. Right. And in some ways I think, so I also saw, um, quiet place part two and conjuring this week. And somehow this film was the one <laughs> Cruella was the one that got <laughs> that me the really most. Like it was the most is. embedded in reality. Uh, I want to, I want to like, call out, uh, uh, first of all, MVP winky, <laughs> the little, the, the little one on <laughs> Chihuahua. He's, he's amazing. Um, Yes, yes. Uh, but no, yeah, the... So good. I would say pleasantly surprised is a fair way to put it. The, yeah. the production design in this movie is stunning. It's absolutely stunning, top to oh bottom. Oh, my God, um, yes. And then the, the Emmas, uh, it's... It, it, uh, yeah, yeah, Emma Stone, Emma Thompson, they are both fabulous. They're, yeah. They are both incredible. Um, the, and I think that we really need to applaud Emma Thompson for her performance in this. Emma Stone, yeah, like there's expectations. We know she's good. But Emma Thompson's character in this was very oddly written, I thought. That was where some of my... my Early early on in the movie, I was getting like Devil Wears Prada, Miranda Miranda Priestly vibes, but it's... Exactly, too. I literally thought of it. Yeah, yeah. She had that one thing where she was like, take this or that. There was some line or movement or something that was... It had to be a call to... Meryl Streep like it had to be um the character itself was just very oddly written the motives were kind of all over the place um and not to say that that's not in line with the character I just don't think maybe the concept of narcissism was handled very well I there are okay yeah you 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 kind of already got there early so I'll I'll bring it up there are one of the things that I think doesn't really work, um, and it's because men- mental health is a an Im- very important topic to me, and it's yes, me too. the The conceit of this movie is Cruella's crazy because her mother's crazy, and mm-hmm. that's a really problematic way to look at things. Um, yeah, and, that, I, didn't and know I would if I, I was being too like reading too much into that or not, but I was I definitely picked up on that too, and I thought that. Um, calling the duchess duchess right the, the baroness baroness thank you i thought um pinning her behavior initially at least on narcissism was a little bit of a cop-out i thought it made the character less interesting especially when they try to not make that so much of a thing with her later on so like i said it, that character was just kind of written all over the place and not in a way that supports the characterization right i that's fair um okay i would i i can't knock any any choice that emma thompson made uh because i i love her to death um i fear uh the problems are in the writing not with performance um and she 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 made it work for me but that's exactly where i was going with that yeah yeah. you know she's just uh she's a she's a disney villain um yeah 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 Emma Thompson is just, I think it's so funny because she did the the live action Beating the Beast too. Mm-hmm. She was um, uh, Mrs. Potts. Yeah. So she kind of has like two very different things going on. 
Uh, but she is so good that I didn't even think about that when I was watching this live action remake. And I thought that Emma Thompson took the writing that she had, invested in it, and made it as believable and entertaining as it could be. I don't think any of the character problems have anything to do with her performance. I think she saved that character. I I would agree with that. And it's... I don't want to say that. I, I mean, yeah, it's just that... What I would probably say is the biggest issue with them is like, is it just rubbed me... It rubbed me a little wrong... Like, there isn't a lot of reason given for why Cruella is like she is. Like, and she's, and I, the reason I say that she isn't, this isn't the character we've seen in the other movies. Is like, okay, she, she has a little bit of a reason to hate Dalmatians, but it's like, she, I don't, I don't believe, based on this movie, that she would grow up to a woman obsessed with fur coats. Like, like she wouldn't, she wouldn't want to kill. Do- like she had, she had Buddy, and and Horace had Winky, and it's just like, they're, you know, she's had pets yeah. around her whole life, and she's, there. They didn't show me the turn, so you know, there, there's already whispers of them making another one, and maybe that's where that'll come. But there, there isn't. Assuming that movie doesn't happen, this is just, it's just a, a very different take on, Cruella Deville. Um, I don't. It yes, it is very different. And it is very much for the time now. Yes. Um, so that's even said, though, like, is it? It's set in the seventies. When when the movie? It's the sixties. Sixties. Oh yeah, yeah. Um. So it's a movie in the sixties trying to appeal to modern young people. Um, yeah. So it's on. Yeah. Uh, at times it works, and at times I think it's a little confused. But yeah, I think it works in the. Um, the like humanitarian aspect of it especially with the dogs you know when they introduced um that she was like a dog owner yeah and, and, and horace and jasper are with her from like a very young age they're yeah. you know they're not just hired thugs they're like brothers yeah. basically uh and also paul walter hauser uh, no, is... i actually totally forgot about that aspect i thought they were just like two guys they wrote into the movie I mean, that well, yeah, that's was... that's kind of how it is or it's kind of how they act like it is in some of the other ones, like or, um, in the Glenn Close movies and in the animated one. They're just, you know, they're familiar with each other. They've worked together for a long time, but that's what it is. It's a working relationship and they do they do bad things for, for money, but they're... It's very much a, re, a reimagining absolutely. and not just a remake. Um, and you know? I, I said it a second, but, but Paul Walter Hauser is... Or, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Paul Walter Hauser is fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah. He's uh, I, I I he's just like so weird and awkward in everything he does, and I totally buy his <laughs> his Cockney accent. Just, he's yes, just a, he's a yes. ridiculous person playing a ridiculous character. It's fantastic. I was so glad to see him in this film. I haven't seen him in too much. I mean, I've seen him in a couple of other things, um, but I thought this was he's really good in Richard Jewell. Uh, yeah, he plays a ridiculous. Ca- Do you watch Cobra Kai? No. But well, you you should. Um, <laughs> you you should also you should you should endure the Karate Kid trilogy before you before you watch Cobra Kai. But uh, no, yeah, he's a uh, in Cobra Kai season two. He plays like a thirty five year old man hanging at like who's at the karate dojo with a bunch of teenagers, and it's kind of weird, but it's also kind of adorable, and it's it's just really funny. Um, anyway, I I really like him. 
Yeah, I thought he did fantastic in this film and knowing that he, um, he is American. Yeah, I've only ever heard him do American actors. Yeah, he's definitely he's so, he's an American actor. Um, yeah, so I, I, you know, I don't know how the English would feel about it, but I thought he did a great job on the accent. Um, I thought Emma Stone did a great job doing the accent. I thought she was fabulous. And obviously she had some practice doing the favorite, right? where she had Olivia Coleman and Rachel Weisz to help her out, right? And on this one, she had Emma Thompson to help her out. So I think it was all good. And she also had, what's his name? Joel Fry to help out too. He was the other, um, what's his name? Oh my God, the other brother, dude. Uh, Yeah, they're Horace and Jasper. I I forget which is which, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jasper, he played Jasper. And Joel Fry was on Game of Thrones. So I- Recognize him immediately, and I was like, "This is going to be good." <laughs> um, one other is it is it John McCree is the the um the the stylist guy who, yes. who works in the yeah, shop. Artie. John McCree or McCrea? I don't yeah, know. yeah. I um, thought, yeah, McCre- I was pleasantly surprised. I thought they did it so well. They added in that like sixties, maybe some of the seventies, uh, punk into it so well. And I actually thought that that was how they ended up making this story in this era a very appealing to modern audiences because it is so much about fashion, but also about grunge fashion and street fashion and like pop-up exhibitionist uh, fashion art shows, you know? Right. Um, so I thought it was really like a modern way to kind of play out this battle, if you will, between Corella and the Baroness. So I thought that it was like, I could have recognized this film if it was set in, you know, like 2000 with some different music, you know, like really the music was what kept reminding me of what era we were in. It's true. There, the, I, I'm glad you brought that up. The music choices are a l- little bit all over the place. I think that in general they work. There's some weird choices and also like some sometimes good appropriate songs, but maybe it's just covers or whatever that I am I'm not fond of. But yeah, he he relies maybe a little heavily the director craig gillespie um relies maybe a little heavily on the song to tell you how you should feel at any time yeah Yeah. um whereas it's not like uh like he he tries really hard to be like guardians of the galaxy vibe like the (laughs) like music that doesn't necessarily fit but it feels right that um, is such a good way to and it, it. it doesn't always feel quite right if I yeah. if that's a if I if that made sense to you. I think um, that's definitely fair and definitely makes sense to me. There's a lot of music, and mm-hmm. I think that they were definitely trying to make it into kind of a uh, soundtrack movie. Right. I they're definitely trying to do something different with this. I don't even want to call it an adaptation because it's literally like a reimagining of this character. So they're that in itself just tells me they're trying to do something different. It's the fact that they're also trying to push a soundtrack, like a fresh, like boppy soundtrack, you right. know? Um, 
that, you know, I think they're trying to. I mean, okay. there, there's some, some great classics in here. I, I'm looking at the list now, oh, like yeah. uh, Living Thing by Electric Light Orchestra, uh, Queen, Stone Cold Crazies in there. Um, so, H- Hush by Deep Purple. Um, <laughs> I don't know. And then there, there are covers of Come Together, um, mm-hmm. Sympathy for the Devils in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Dor- there's a, a Perhaps Perhaps by Doris Day. You know, there are, there's a lot. A lot of a lot of good stuff, and then some. Again, some other choices that I don't always think fit with exactly what he's trying to say. But and you know, I think that that might be just a Disney thing too. Because here's the thing. Okay, wasn't I think Lion King was the last big like classics adaptation live action that they came out with, right? Or am I wrong? Mulan. Oh well, that was like pandemic, and I didn't even see Mulan. <laughs> uh, it's on Disney Plus now. I haven't, I, I haven't watched it either. I didn't watch it. So, and I think it's because it looked like more of the same. You're, and I was actually going in. I was excited about that one because it, if any of them had the potential to be something really special, it was probably that one. And right. It, it so then I was. Studying. Apparently, that's not the case. So it's, it's just exactly. Just, yeah, yeah. So I didn't even see it because that's what I was getting from literally everything I was reading and seeing about it. And so I think that, I mean, obviously they couldn't make too many different uh, changes or, you know, tweaks to Cruella because they already filmed it or were editing and, you know, whatever, when Mulan wasn't quite a success. But I think that even when they were like doing pre-production on Mulan, they were figuring out that this whole remake thing was becoming too predictable. And I think maybe Disney execs were starting to see a problem with that. Um, and so, I, you know, I like that this is different. I would also say, like, did you see Oz the Great and Powerful? No, <laughs> I didn't. It's it's fine. Um, exactly but it's it's also it's a very different take on the wizard and the witches than you might than you might expect based on the wizard of oz i i can believe that and i think that's also a thing that you can only get from watching it and a way to bring people in is to change a look right right so also great and powerful doesn't look like anything different to me that's why i haven't seen it cruella on the hand looks entirely different i mean it's kind of like a breath of fresh air and a different direction for these disney remakes which i think now i will only be able to call reimaginings if they keep down this track because it is so different the energy is different the vibe is different the stakes are different and i hope that continues yeah me too that's why i was pleasantly surprised at this film and i'll keep saying it pleasantly surprised because I mean, and again, the the movie's fine you know it's not it's not it's not but it they not a masterpiece they they, they made mean. some good choices they made some weird choices mm-hmm. um but you know, and you know all the they spent they spent money in the right place like like i said that you, you can't you can't discount the production design and the costume design no, it's, you can't. They ridiculous. spent money where it needed to be. Yeah, yeah. And that's they, because it drives the story. They got know? they they got Emma and Emma, which was not cheap. Uh, <laughs> which is and a then great they marketing tool as yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so yeah, you know, I think that um because this one felt different, 
it got me into uh, seeing it. And again, which is ironic because I, this was the one that I went the most blind into. Right. Probably in a long time, not just this week, but in a long time. Did you like the the Will Smith Aladdin? The what? The oh, Will- the Will Smith Aladdin. It was okay. <laughs> I liked Will Smith. I really liked uh, Naomi Scott. Otherwise, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. You were just, you know. It was- I think the, the only one of these that I've really liked is probably The Jungle Book, which I would argue is better than the animated one. Um, I saw that. I saw that. Because yeah. it had Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> it did. And freaking... Christopher Walken plays yeah. the 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 king of the monkeys, and he sings a song, and it's incredible. Um, <laughs> That's right. But again, you know, those two, you know, okay, so um, Aladdin came out after. Um, I want. Why do I want to say George of the Jungle? It's not George of the Jungle. <laughs> it's what? What's the name of it? You just said it. The Jungle. Why am I blank? Jungle Book. Thank you. I was yeah. like, it's Jungle something. I mean, that just goes to show you how kind of like, you know, I don't have a lot of hopes or expectations for these Disney remakes. Jungle Book came out before the Aladdin remake. What was your, I'm curious, um, what was your experience with Disney growing up? It was my life. Okay. My that's life. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, and I ask again because you're you're a few years younger than me, um, and I was, to be fair, a boy. So I watched mainly di- mainly Disney movies with male protagonists, with with small exception. We you know we had Little Mermaid on tape and a couple others, but um, uh, no, I totally get it. Yeah, yeah, and that's and I'm and I was just curious, like how you'd react to these movies compared to your experience with like the back catalog and like and we had we even had like. We had the whole one whole shelf of the the big puffy like Disney uh, VHS, and we had like all the classics too. Like we, had, we still we had, have them. My yeah. mom kept them. Nice, yeah. Like with um, Snow White and Dumbo and uh, Fantasia yeah. was one of my favorites when I was little. I loved to just play the music basically. Um, Fantasia scared me. Um, <laughs> I was a very like I was scared very easily. I could not watch. Fantasia. I could not watch any of the like 101 Dalmatians like at all. Not um, the Glenn Close. We had we had 101 Dalmatians, and then later on we had all the Toy Stories, and we had like basically every Pixar movie except the Bugs Life, because it was it, I, even even when I was young I didn't like that one. Um, it then, was very uh, much my life, and we actually lived in Florida for about five years when I was very young. I would say probably when I was like five to eleven, I think I'm gonna say. So prime Disney time. Um, and so we would go there and it was like the best days of my life, you know, and even like, um, I, my sweet 16, my sweet mother chaperoned me and some of my friends down to Orlando and my friends and I went to Disney. That's legit. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I actually worked at Disneyland in Anaheim for, I want to say most of 2019, 18, 18, 2018. Yeah. So I um, got to kind of indulge in that as an adult, which was fun. And um, so I'm very aware right. of, of the entire like fandom, I guess. Oh yeah. Um, I don't want to say I'm like, like a mega fan, you know, <laughs> but like 
for I think a lot of a lot of people our age, it was a part of their growing up in a very like fundamental way. So, um, you know, I was very excited in the I beginning. No, yeah, they were doing the films that I was really excited to see, you know, like remaking them. They started with Cinderella with Lily James and Richard Madden. And Oz the Great and Powerful was before that. And I would even say like it's I would it probably started with Alice in Wonderland. Um and I you see, I don't consider them that way though, because no. they made such a big push, you know, with the Cinderella movie that like, hey, we're and doing those, that came out way back. Like I was in yeah, I was uh sec second year Georgia Southern, probably I want to say 2010s when that one came out, the Alice in Wonderland, but yeah, that would be my third year. I love Mia was oh, yeah. I, I enjoy her and I like that movie. Um, but the Do Cinderella you? remake, live action remake, is you know, and I, I have heard good things about that one, but I have not seen it. It's wonderful. I think they did a really good job with it. I think it's a great movie. Um, and it made me excited for what else was to come. And so then they did their their next like princess remake movie was um Beauty and the Beast. And I, was I, I liked it. It was fine. I, oh, I, I mean, I, I love it because it's literally my life. Like, that's fair. I, I, when I was in high school and college, I worked for a party company in Statesboro and I princessed for them and I was Belle. Nice. <laughs> like, that was my job. Uh, we didn't call her that, but <laughs> it was her. You gotta, you gotta pay the Disney money if you, if you use the real names. Yeah, exactly. So, no. But um, that's what I did, and that's always been kind of like my thing, um, you know, always my favorite. I there were there was a lot I liked. I loved Dan Stevens, um, and I liked that they they gave more context to making the Beast like a really more like so than yeah, like a person and like a really a really rich vain person, um, yeah, as opposed to just kind of a he's just bitter because of what happened to him, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah so it's. And so you know, I really liked the casting of it. The cast is so good, including you know, well, Ian McKellen plays Lumiere. Yeah. Like you can't beat that. Oh, it's so good. And um, uh, is it Ewan McGregor? Is Cogsworth? Is that what it was? Is that yeah? yeah. Uh, Cogsworth is um, Ewan McGregor, Ewan McGregor is Lumiere, yeah. and Patrick Stewart is Cogsworth. Um, no, oh, just, it's it's Ian Ian McKellen. Hold on, I'm looking this up. Ian McKellen. Yes, he plays yes, one yes, of yes. them, and Ewan McGregor's the other one. Yes. Uh, Ewan McGregor is Lumiere and uh, Patrick Stewart. Stewart? Which, no, Ian McKellen. Yeah, Ian, Ian McKellen's McKellen. Cogsworth. Yeah, yeah. But of course um, he can talk. I just, I loved it so much. I just, there was so much potential for it. And Luke Evans and Josh Gatter in it too. It's true. And of course I love Emma, 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 Emma Watson. Emma Watson, the other Emma. And we had Emma Watson and Emma Thompson. Hey, and we have Emma uh, Stone she... and Emma Thompson. <laughs> So um, they had such a good thing going. I know that the Beauty and the Beast film didn't get us as good a reception as... But it made a billion dollars. Yeah, I, and it it's... did really well. <laughs> <laughs> and I really liked it. I know that people... Um, I mean, Cruella would have made big money if it came out during normal times. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, but I also think that if the, the world building and the fantasy of it was heightened in Cruella it would have been more on that kind of level. I don't think that this, the Cruella, I do not think Cruella can stand up to the same kind of 
scrutiny as something like Cinderella or Beauty and the Beast remakes. I would agree with that. that yeah. 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 Um, I mean, that's why it's just kind of like I was pleasantly surprised, whereas I would have been really excited to, you know, if Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast were coming out now, I would have been like, apparently. Um, the the Russo brothers are developing a Hercules remake, and that would that like that that excites me. That that was a big one for me when I was a kid. That um, excites me so much. My I mean, I was that nerdy kid sitting in my room. I begged my parents to get me this huge mythology textbook nice. of like world mythology. Uh, so Gre- I'm, uh, Greek mythology specifically is a big thing for me, and it's probably yeah. because I loved Hercules so much when I was little. Right, exactly. So I was that kid in my room reading my mythology textbook. <laughs> and um, so that's really exciting to me. Like, that's how I feel about, or how I felt about Beating the Beast coming out. Did not feel like that with Cruella. And I think it's because there's just not as much fantasy or world building. So it doesn't feel like Disney, right. which I think is kind of where they've been, you know, not hitting the mark as much recently, you know? But that said, I was pleasantly surprised. And, you know, I'm really glad that this film, I don't know if it's because it's been a handful of years now since Beauty and the Beast came out or because of the pandemic or anything else. But, you know, when Beauty and the Beast came out, it was like right at the emergence of the Me Too movement, you know? Mm -hmm. And like right, I think before, it was either right before or like right at, I think it was before Harvey Weinstein. There's was a like, few, few months. Be, I think twenty fall twenty seventeen is when all this shit came out with Harvey Weinstein, the right? Bas- yeah. Bastard. So it so Beating the Beast came out a little bit before that, and when Emma Emma Watson was like, "I'm not going to wear a corset for this movie. I'm going to push a really feminist perspective on it." And to be fair, it's not a really feminist perspective, but because it was her and she has a position as a UN. Um, women's ambassador and she's very um, vocal on those subjects and incorporated it into her vision for that character she got so much smack for it you know and unfortunately even though the film did really well at the box office people were still giving it smack and trying to knock the film down and I think a lot of that stemmed from you know horrible horrible prejudice towards women in power. And I was actually just reading um, the Mary Beard. Mary Beard is a um, classic scholar from Cambridge. She's very, very uh, well-known in, in that field. Anyway, so Dr. Beard has a book called uh, Women in Power. It's a manifesto, so it's like two essays. And I was just reading it last night, which is so prevalent because she was just talking about how, you know, you can try something and then just get knocked down for it or something will be reused based on, you know, different tropes that have been used since the Roman times, you know, which is her Dr. Beard's area of expertise. And so I think that's exactly what we saw happen with the Beauty and the Beast movie. You know, I think if it were released today mm-hmm. um, with the same kind of feminism shown in Cruella, right. it would not have been uh, knocked down by so many people, even though it was so successful in numbers, you know? So I think that, you know, that's kind of a big, you know, 
dividing point in this whole like Disney remake reimagining mm-hmm. thing. I mean, I don't know what you've you know been seeing or how you've experienced this resurgence of Disney movies, but um, that's just what I saw between these two kind of benchmark feminist Disney films. I mean, I'm probably on your your side regarding most of that. It's Disney, they in general, they seem to want to that 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 the heart is in the right place. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. always land just right. Like even, you know, we've been talking about how we generally like Cruella, but I don't like the the explanation for Cruella's mental health as it's as it's given in this movie. Right. Um but very you know, much and, just, and it's I'm and also you know I am I'm a, a a cisgendered white kid white boy from the suburbs who, you know I've had a a relatively easy life compared to a lot of people so I'm may not mm-hmm. be the best person to talk about some of this stuff but it's, um. But it doesn't mean that if you know if you, they as a film person don't have, um, insights you know like those are an important part of a fully inclusive conversation. Um, and that's and that that's appreciated. And I, you know, honestly, I think if I think it's great, and I love watching movies about people that don't look like me. And it's yeah. Um, we, I don't. I'm never going to understand the backlash it gets. Like I just, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah. And if did Disney needs to promote strong women in their movies, and they need to, they're you know, I I'm all about Disney resurgence and being outside of marvel which you know it's all eyes are on all the time the yeah. the other presences of disney being out in public and you know um and saying it's it's okay to be a woman but also it's okay to be a woman who's not a princess who needs a prince to solve all her problems um and i think that this film could have done that so well mm-hmm. if it weren't for that fundamental aspect of really honoring the mental health perspective it could have been so much more you know it was felt glossed over they kind of make excuses for the baroness with her narcissism and then even before those plot points are you know introduced and developed cruella goes crazy and it's just because she's crazy Uh, no yeah and she it's introducing her that's like at such a young age, having you know, dyeing her hair black and white and stuff, even when she's very, very young before she lost her mother, which that's not necessarily a problem, but you know, it's the the fact that she's different is you know, and nature versus nurture. You know, I'm not a a psychologist, but it's it it seems really convenient when they could have explored something a lot more interesting. Um, yeah, uh, and yeah. even cons- like, especially considering this is a darker movie than I anticipated it being. It's a very dark movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's PG thirteen, but it's a Disney movie, um, and it's about a yeah. it's about a character yeah. that that everyone has heard of. Um, it's dark. I mean, there is murder and like burning alive, <laughs> attempted burning alive, yeah. and you know, dog murder and. You know, murder. There's a lot of murder in this movie. (laughs) And I was really surprised. I was like, okay. Which I think But this uh, Cruella started to lose it before the Baroness killed her mom. So, you know, so 
something yeah. either something wasn't right or it's just she's crazy because her her birth mother's crazy and that okay. is, that just rubs me wrong but um yeah it's, it's not a good explanation they could have done a lot more with it and i think that it would have taken their films in a really interesting direction but at the same time i'm grateful for those little tidbits because they are different than what they've been doing yeah and you know and i'm not even necessarily like i'm not saying that there's anything necessarily wrong with what's in the movie on this topic except that there should be more to it than that that yes. isn't that can't that can't be the reason that can be you know it, it can be a factor it, 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 yes but it's not you know yeah uh, who knows you're it's just she's just crazy already and it doesn't <laughs> it it seems convenient it's just easy when yeah. it should have been, you and know, there's like no real distinction between like her, her spunk, you know, her girly spunk. That's supposed to be the feminist aspect of her character, um, with her potential mental illness. You know, right. they're one um, and the same. So they're they're just needed, I think, to be a little bit more um, depth to those character plots, and that's why. You know, like we were saying earlier, why I feel like the Baroness's character, played by Emma Thompson, is just off. Yeah, it's just, and and I would I would agree with that. It's just like her, you know, you can ignore a lot of it because Emma Emma Thompson's delivery is always perfect. Yes. But it's you know, the, there's definitely some problems in the writing. Um, yeah, yeah. Any coming up on on forty minutes? Are your any any closing thoughts on Cruella or the past and future of Disney live action movies? Well, I really wanted to talk about Mark. Mark Strong. Strong. Yes. Yeah. You mentioned that before we started. Okay. Let's talk about Mark Strong. I, and I'm going to, well, I have something to say right too. To, it leads right into, you know, from what we were just talking about, because, you know, the character writing is so weird in this, right? So Mark Strong's in this movie the whole time. And when I saw him, I was like, Ooh, it's Mark Strong. We're going to get some really cool stuff out of him. You know, like he is a saw after dude. And he's such a good actor and he's recognizable. So I was like, they're going to use him. He's they're going to use him, you know? He's just always but a smarmy like, villain. Yeah, yeah. And then he comes out and he's like the good guy, Butler. Um, yeah. So, but the, it took forever to get there in the story. Otherwise, like well over an hour into there. the movie. Yeah. He's just there being another Butler dude. <laughs> you, know? You, know, you, so, you don't pay for Mark Strong if he's just the Butler. Exactly. So I was like, what's he going to do? And then it took forever to get there. And then he didn't do much after that. He swiped a list here. He talked into somebody's ear there. And then that was like it, you know? All right. And so I'm I was gonna... like, you know, when he first, when it was first revealed that he makes a big reveal to Estella that, uh, you know, the Baroness is her mother and the whole backstory and then things come together. I was like, Oh, like this feels so Kingsmen because it's still in like the 60s, 70s and it's more strong and he's Butler and it's fine. I was like, I'll take it because I enjoy, I enjoy those films. And I was like, I finally got it. And now he's going to be like, let's sort all this out, you know? And, he and was he's just, like, he, information. Yeah, he, he gives her a present and then he <laughs> like helps her steal something. And then it's just, and he's like, all right. I, okay. you, I, I'm going to, don't take, I don't want to say this. I'm generally not a big fan of Mark Strong. He plays the same character in everything. He's just no, like, I totally agree. He's, with he's you. always a smarmy villain type. Um, <laughs> I, I appreciated <laughs> that he was not, 
just a smarmy villain type in this movie. You know, yeah. we probably I, I probably agree that we could have we needed more of him. But, mm -hmm. you know, he I appreciated that he played against type, which he rarely ever does. Um, and he's just yeah. like he was the the gangster guy in kick ass, which is probably like the earliest notable thing that I know him from. Um, and he's played basically the same character that he played in kick ass in every movie since Kick-Ass, like. <laughs> I, I fear that that's probably. Um, and then and Sh Shazam, he was the same guy, except he would he could do magic. Like it was just. Right, yeah. I think he probably yeah. got really typecast. Um, have, um, you, have you seen the Kingsman movies with him? I've seen the first one. Um, okay, there's. I know that there's a second one. He's also in that and he's very, very good in that too. Um, but I kind of felt like, <laughs> I mean, Kingsman, takes place like modern times but it feels right. kind of like 60s a little vintage because of the characterization of the agents right mm -hmm. so i kind of felt like you could have plucked mark strong out of kingsman and then put him into cruella and it still would have worked That's <laughs> it's the same kind of thing right so i was like i see where this is going and so i i was trying to figure out what was going to happen i was like well somebody's going to be revealed to be her parent and because she didn't have a father and we i yeah my wife and i both thought he was going to be her dad and that's not yes. true yeah yeah exactly so he starts revealing and i'm like oh that's her dad and he's like just kidding i'm a random dude but i'm gonna I, help you i'm, I'm just i oh, just work okay. for your mom and i but i know your mom's a terrible person so i'm gonna help um, yeah so um, i was yeah. just kind of like i thought they could have used him in character a lot better i don't mind that he wasn't her dad i think it's interesting that you know her dad just kind of like wasted it away in grief the baron and the baroness is the baroness um but i think mark strong could have been like the i don't know if you watched downtown abbey but they just put it all oh, back yeah. on netflix so <laughs> i watched it all when it was airing and now i'm it just got put on netflix again so anyway i felt like mark strong's character in cruella could have been like a, a butler from downtown like a carson type yeah you know? very fatherly um, and nurturely and i i appreciate it like just i always like when actors are cast against type um mm -hmm. especially like as i when i saw him i was like oh he's gonna be like the the smarmy <laughs> villain guy that like uh, who knows but yeah i just felt you know i i enjoy him as an actor i really thought that he got the short end of whatever story edits they did. Oh yeah, because and maybe like they maybe they shot more. You know, it's the movie's already long, so who knows what who knows what got cut out of this? But that's um, exactly what I was thinking. I think they probably cut out his stuff that was a little more interesting towards right. the end. You know, especially in trying to manipulate the Baroness. Um, so I feel bad that he probably didn't get his his due as an actor in this film, but nonetheless, I'm glad he's there. You know, That's I think fair. he adds something into it towards the end or I guess just the middle, but it's not enough to really justify getting somebody like Mark Strong. When you, when you can afford it, why not? Right. Um, <laughs> you know, who, I mean, maybe, who knows? There's a lot of reasons that that happens. You know, maybe he wasn't available for very long. So they, they, mm -hmm gave him what they could maybe he was cut out of the movie maybe we got everything that was supposed to be there who knows but yeah um, no, yeah i was like i 
again, he's just generally not that interesting a character, in my opinion, and he's always typecast. So it's it's then again, you know, it's all the key thing about the key word in getting typecast is that you're getting cast. So that's always <laughs> that's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, thanks for thanks for hanging out. We we both kind of liked it, though. You know, lots of lot good, some good stuff, some bad stuff. It's a uh, technically very impressive, which is um like. That's been a consistent thing in most of these live action movies, to be fair. Um, yeah. Here's my, my thing. Yeah, Here's like my final overview. Wrap it up. Of feelings. If I was going to go visit my young niece and nephew this summer, which I'm hoping to do, I would love to be able to go see this with them. And I would go see it again. But I but. think that this movie might be a little too murdery. <laughs> for young kids so would i see it again with like kids yes but should i i don't know <laughs> uh that's fair and, you know and i i know some people with kids who like the pirates movies um and i would say that's probably more intense than this was but yeah uh, anyway the thing. I, um, I i'm not around kids enough to know i'm exactly really not either what they're you know capable of handling um but I, you know, because, you know, there's so much, I've been doing a lot of thinking about media literacy lately for right. a different project. And so I was thinking about um, how kids are, you know, inundated with so many increasingly adult things like knowledge and jokes. Like the hotel. How do you navigate that as a parent? The trailer played before the movie last night. And there was a whole joke about like a, invisible monster becoming human and there was like a whole thing about his like butt cheeks clapping together <laughs> yeah oh. it was a whole joke and it like showed like part of the butt and i was like you know it's animated but i'm like still hmm. and then there's a whole joke about like them being naked and having to cover up and i'm like this is for kids like i yeah, understand kid, kids think kids think nakedness is funny yeah who knows so i i, I don't know but i Cruella might be a little too murdery. <laughs> that so that's uh that's that's the verdict uh from from uh Katie and Brandon is it's a little too murdery. Um well uh, that's a good note to uh to wrap up on. Thanks uh for hanging out Katie. This is um Katie has a blog at katherineburrell.com. Uh mm-hmm. and I am uh I do movie reviews and I take photos and stuff at uh Engine 25 production. I'm on YouTube and Facebook and stuff. Uh thanks for watching everybody. Have a great day.